welcome to Bruins Safe to Tape podcast with Maria and Caroline. I'm Caroline. I've been a Bruins fan for most of my life and I've grown up in a Bruins household. And my absolute favorite player is Brad Marchand. I love everything about him and I'm so glad he's on our team and not someone else's. And I'm excited this season to keep an eye out on my second favorite, uh, Charlie Coyle. How about you, Maria? I am um, Maria. Some of you may know me as my pseudo radio caller personality, Maria from Watertown. I have been a Bruins fan for quite a long time. I won't, I won't date myself by um, saying how far back, but however, this might give me away in that my favorite player of all time is the GOAT, Robert Gordon Orr. And my second favorite all-time brewer is Patrice Bergeron. And while we all knew the day would come where Patrice would sail off into the sunset, I maybe had tucked myself into a false sense of security, thinking that he would, he would have one more year left in him, but uh, very understandable why he's made that decision. Who are you uh, looking forward to keeping an eye on this season? Well, interestingly enough, it's not a player. Hmm. It is our head coach and the coaching hmm. staff. And I can, you know, I can share my views now on that, or we can discuss that further in the podcast. But I have some, um, I don't want to say concerns because the season hasn't begun yet, but there are things that I will be watching for um, with respect to the challenges that Jim Montgomery will likely be facing this season. Well, it's interesting you bring up Jim Montgomery. Um, I just read an article probably about a day or two ago where he had an interview with Steve Conroy in the Boston Herald where he was actually giving a little bit of insight into what uh, maybe what he's thinking about in terms of his lineups and the players and things like that. Um, one of the things that he had mentioned was having Coyle and Zaka up in the top six uh, for our centers, um, looking at maybe a line with Marshawn and Coyle. So knowing that he's already kind of out there and giving interviews and discussing some plans. Um, what are your hopes for him and, and some actions that you think he should be also considering beyond his immediate lineup for the roster? Well, you know, I think for him, there, there are a lot of not unknown variables, but he is going to be challenging players and putting them in positions that they have not normally been accustomed to being put in. And you reference specifically Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka. My expectations for Charlie Coyle, since he arrived here from um, Minnesota have been relatively high. We've seen peaks and valleys of that. And my hope is that, and I, based on what I've heard Charlie say, because he was recently on WEEI today, actually, I, I believe it was today or yesterday, I could be mistaken, um, in, in person being interviewed as part of their Jimmy Fund telethon fundraising mm -hmm. over the last two days. 
And it sounds to me as if he understands what his leadership role is going to need to be this season. So he's definitely a player that you're going to need a consistent and steady line of production from, even if it's just, you know, if it's not scoring goals, it's making plays for whoever his line mates will ultimately end up being, being mm -hmm. that defensively responsible center to potentially pick up some of the slack left behind by, by Patrice Bergeron. No one will ever be as, as worthy of selfie trophies, I don't think, as Patrice Bergeron, but um, that's a significant gap that needs to be filled. My concern with Jim Montgomery is that there weren't a lot of challenges for him last season. No one would have expected the team to play as well as it did. And when you are coaching a team that has the best record and has built the best record in NHL history, I would think, and perhaps I'm wrong, I might be wrong, I've never coached, should be a relatively easy job. And it seemed on a couple of occasions, on more than one occasion, he made reference to, you know, letting the players coach themselves. When he needed, in my view, and this is just my humble opinion, when he needed to make difficult decisions during the Florida Panthers series, I don't think he passed that test. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, well, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, we just saw a, uh, a rival team fire their head coach for essentially that kind of uh, approach to coaching. The Rangers had fired uh, Gerard Gallant and he's kind of known throughout the league as having that uh, sit back and let the players and the, and the leaders drive the direction of the team, which, you know, might have a time and place for it. Um, certainly last season with the amount of leadership and experience on that roster, you know, um, it, it worked for the regular season. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do um, because I feel like a lot of the criticisms and the complaints of the talking heads in Boston <laughs> is, well, they're going to suck this year. 365 days ago, they were saying the exact same thing. I was just going to say, put it on repeat, because <laughs> they said the same oh. thing last year. And on, honestly, yeah. in, in their defense, in their defense, I went into the season with, the, with concerns. I just said to myself, they just need to tread water until they get Marshand and McAvoy and at this point I can't oh Grizzlick and yeah, you know whoever else started the season injured that's all yeah. just keep your head down stay middle of the pack and then when you get those guys back then we're going to see what we have for a true team no one expected them to come out of the gate in the manner in which they did no one expected Brad Marchand 
to come back as quickly as he did perhaps mm -hmm. speculation hindsight again 2020 maybe he came oh, back a little really? sooner than he needed or should have come back he was a little quiet um and mm -hmm. not like himself yep but yeah it's um the 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 difference for me going into this season compared to last season i think what speaks to montgomery's talent as a coach his ability to get something out of his players um i think that's still going to be there and what makes me think that is not looking at the entire record and performance as a team of the team as a whole but looking at certain individual players who over the past few years we've had some consistent and regular complaints over and so again if we were to go back a year ago to where my head was at um, and comparing the two years you know the day of puck drop for the start of the season last year I had a conversation with someone and I said this is make or break for Charlie Coyle and Brandon Carlo because I think I've had regular you know issues and complaints about what they have been or haven't been doing or that they've been holding back in all of those seasons leading up to last year and then all of a sudden I don't know, again, if it was like just the new voice in the room or if there was something specific with how Monty does his coaching, those two players completely turned it around. Granted, uh, there are things that I think Coyle still needs to actually embrace, which is shooting the puck because mm -hmm. his possession is phenomenal, but for whatever reason, he's still a little gun shy when it comes to shooting that puck. So seeing those changes in those individual players for me says something about Monty's coaching ability, you know, so I'm cautiously optimistic for, for the season in terms of his, um, his skill as a coach. I, I know there've been some uh, supporting coaching staff changes, which maybe that's what should have happened beforehand. Um, you know, we don't know. We don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Um, but I do think, you know, thinking about that roster and the lineup and everything, what, what do you see as your prediction for lineup, let's say, opening night? What do those lines look like for you? And again, it, you know, it's easy, easy to, you know, <laughs> pontificate, right? Absolutely. But you... you are not going to be in a position where you can rely solely on one line. So there needs to hopefully be not. <laughs> right. You you need to you need to have balanced scoring. How that plays mm -hmm. out, right? I think I'm thinking that early on we'll see some juggling and moving around until he and the coaching staff and the players can find that comfort level. So, mm -hmm. you know, we might hit, we might have some bumps in the road in terms of, you know, who's going to play with pasta, you know, where, where is Mark, what line is Marchand going to be on? Are Marchand and pasta going to be together? But then does that turn into a top heavy line? Mm. Can you, can you rely on Jake DeBrusque to be, you know, the, the mm -hmm. player that we saw that he could be 
last season. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, hard, hard for me to like get into the X's and O's of it at this, at this juncture, because I think even the coaches are probably still looking at their names, you know, on, on paper and mm -hmm. maybe trying to like, you know, play a little game of, of, of chess with, with the players yeah. that they currently have. I think defensively, you should be good. You, mm -hmm. you should be pretty well set in determining what your pairings are going to be. You have no issues at goaltending. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be how you fill or bridge the gap for losing David Krejci and Patrice mm -hmm. Bergeron. Yeah, I would be really excited to see Coyle and Marshawn working together. I really, really liked their chemistry and their dynamic um, in the playoffs when they were briefly for two games. I think it was for game three and four when they were together. I really, really liked how they meshed. Um, I, I, I do wonder how... Charlie's going to do as a potential second centerman. Um, you know, we saw Bruce Cassidy try to pop him into that spot in the, in that year that Krejci was gone. And that was extremely short lived, but again, a uh, different coach, different style, different styles, you know, maybe different, different, different player situations now, yep. and, you know, and, and I, it's, it must be difficult to, be on a team that has, mm -hmm. you know, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, where you know, yeah. you you yeah. know, they're, you yeah. know, Bergeron's one, Krejci's two, and everybody else is behind mm -hmm. that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you're playing in a little bit of the shadows. I absolutely mm -hmm. loved what I saw from Charlie Coyle in games three and four in mm -hmm. Florida. I mm -hmm. absolutely loved what I saw out of Taylor Hall in those games, but unfortunately, womp, womp. Womp, womp, right? <laughs> well, speaking of Taylor Hall, I mean, what was your take? What was your feeling when you heard the news that he was getting sent out to Chicago? Were you surprised? Not surprised? Surprised it was Chicago, but not surprised he was leaving or getting sent out. You know, what was your take on that? Cause I was, I was, I was surprised and I was surprised that he was being sent to Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had always wanted going back to that draft when he was number one and Sagan was number two, right up until about the week before the draft, they mm -hmm. were neck and neck in terms of who was going to be the number one overall draft pick. And mm -hmm. secretly, I was hoping that Taylor Hall's stock would drop a little bit because <laughs> I really wanted him drafted as yeah. a Boston Bruin for any yeah. number of reasons, you know, mm -hmm. not the least of which is I, I think he epitomized more of a Boston Bruin player than mm -hmm. Tyler Sagan yeah. would have. And so... Um, I, for one, was was thrilled when mm -hmm. he was coming to Boston, and yeah. I seemed to he was being embraced. You know, Taylor mm -hmm. Hall's game is pretty much up Cam Neely's alley, 
Um, oh yeah. You know, I'm not comparing him to Cam. I'm just saying, you know, that, that ruggedness, you know, he's mm -hmm. got speed, he's got skill. You know, I know that there were, you know, people were commenting on character issues related to Taylor Hall before he even put on a Bruins jersey here. But by mm -hmm. all accounts, he was all in. He was a good teammate. He did what he yeah. was asked to do. Mm -hmm. But he was a victim of cap. Cap, yeah. He was a victim of the cap. And it's unfortunate yeah. that he was that victim. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Uh, if, you know, there's no doubt that Taylor Hall is extremely talented at what he does and, you know, worth quite a bit of money. Um, he's the type of guy who uh, I find him to be a little bit of a head scratcher. You know, if, if, if he worked in any other kind of industry and I was a hiring manager or someone who worked in, in HR and was looking at resumes, I'd say, well, why the heck does this guy bounce around so much? Like what's going on? Like, what is this thing that we don't see off the ice? that we don't hear like what's going on because someone with his level of talent shouldn't be a journeyman and yet I feel like that's what he has become you know he's been on one two three four is this his fifth team right Edmonton, Edmonton. he's been to New Jersey. New Jersey did we get him from Buffalo Boston Buffalo, and now Chicago right. now so Chicago. you know I you, when you think of players who are extremely talented um they don't end up playing for very many teams over the course of their career you know they might be super lucky and end up as you know a Boston Bruin for their entire career or they might play for only two teams, maybe three like Gretzky, but, you know, Connor McDavid, he's probably going to be either an uh, oiler for life or there's only going to be one other team on his resume. So I just, I feel for Taylor Hall. I, I, you know, I did like that he was part of the team. I did think his style of play was definitely what uh, Boston needed um so it stinks but also like I, something's i don't know something's weird there for me no, but <laughs> and, and, and you no 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 and and you you could you could be right you you could be right because you know we all read and hear things and listen to you know league pundits and and experts what i have an issue with is the vilification mm. of a player yeah. before that player actually steps on the field of play on the ice or yep. in the arena for a new team where we're already saying you know this person's no good that you know he's right. he's and I, I i despise when people use this reference he's a cancer to the team mm. um and yeah. you know but there clearly is something he's trying yeah. to find his happy place right um yeah. but sometimes you have to make your happy place. Yeah. And at this yeah. point in his career, right? This yeah. this opportunity in Chicago to help facilitate um, a regrowth of this team, 
and, mm -hmm. and mentor, you know, mm -hmm. the, the number one draft pick may help alleviate a lot. If, if he's successful at it, should yeah. hopefully help alleviate some of the criticism and the baggage that keeps following him around from team to team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it kind of, it does make me think a little bit about, um, you know, kind of the Jake DeBrusque uh, situation over the last few years. There was a kid who was probably a little bit unmoored. You know, he's from, you know, a far off province compared to Boston. There was the pandemic. So, you know, a young person who's all alone in a city, far from family, maybe isn't getting along with the coach. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in his particular instance, uh, the solution was to give him some purpose and, and, and develop a relationship, a mentor mentee relationship with someone in Jabrusk's case being Bergeron and Marshawn and look at what happened with JD. Like he's, he's fulfilling the prophecy of his, uh, talent and skills that everyone saw that was there before he was drafted. Uh, and maybe that's the same thing that we'll see come out of Taylor Hall. You know, he wants more responsibility. He needs that kind of, you know, challenge to rise to. And I do genuinely hope that he gets to retire as a Chicago Blackhawk because he deserves to kind of be someplace for a really long time because he is extremely talented and, you know, as much as I appreciated him saying last season, you know, you got to put me where you can put me. And that's the story. He's, he's better than a third line player. So I'm glad that he'll have that opportunity. Um, so yeah, that's pretty, uh, that was a, a pretty interesting and somewhat dramatic uh, event over the summer. Um, well, we all think Don Sweeney had to do something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was no secret about the, the cap position that the Bruins mm -hmm. were going to be put in given that he yeah. went all in. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was just a question of who yeah. and when it yeah. was, it was going to happen. And so, you know, if you could do it with one player, as opposed mm -hmm. to, moving out more than one player and creating mm -hmm. more gaps in your lineup when you likely already had an indication that you were going to be without Bergeron and Krejci to start yeah. the upcoming season. You know, I, I, as much as I have criticized John Sweeney in the past, <laughs> and I, you know, I think to some degree, right, rightfully so, Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, there, there was nothing to criticize him about last season, other other than other than the Mitch Miller debacle. Right. Yep. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, so we're almost out of time for today, but before we go, because we are only about twenty six days. Uh, until we can actually start seeing some of these guys out on the ice. Um, what, and, and speaking of Don Sweeney, what do you think of his uh, investment in three veteran players for the coming season in Luch, uh, Van Riemsdyk, and Shattenkirk? 
So we'll start with, with Lucic. Mm. Losing Krejci and Bergeron is a significant amount of history, tenure, leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I can understand bringing in a player such as a Milan Lucic. Now, very minimal investment. Good for Lucic for accepting that, understanding what his likely role will be. I think some of it, and again, this could be me being, you know, my cynicism related to um, Bruins ownership with, you know, a big centennial season coming on. Let's mm -hmm. not underestimate the excitement of the fan base of seeing Milan Lucic back in a Bruins sweater. Mm -hmm. um, my hope is that, you know, he will, I don't want to say have a limited role, but he's not going to be a focal point in eating up tons of, of minutes. Yeah. For this team. Yep. Yeah. I see him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts out on the third line. Um, and then see where he goes from there. And if, you know, by the end of the season, he ends up on the fourth, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I certainly don't see him any higher up than that. I mean, he's certainly, he's there for a particular job and it's not just being a power forward out on the ice. You know, it's, yeah, there's probably some level of mentorship and leadership and stuff like that. But like you said, uh, maybe a little bit of a marketing opportunity considering the, the upcoming historic season and just excitement in his personality. I mean, you know, he's a little bit outrageous and the fans absolutely eat it up. So it'll be highly entertaining. It highly, be. highly. Entertaining. Yes. But I want to caution our fan base. He, he's <laughs> not going to run someone through the glass. <laughs> not anymore. Not, not anymore. at uh, what? 35 years of, of yeah. age. It's no, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> JVR, listen, he's been a thorn in the Bruins' side for years. No matter yeah. what team he was on, he yeah. was always a pain in the ass to yeah. play against. So better the devil that you know than the devil that you don't know. Exactly. Yeah, he's a pretty consistent player. Um, when I've run some numbers on him, he he's a pretty good contributor and he continues to do that at a high level. Um, even though he's a veteran player, you know, I, he's not really, um, injuries aside, looking back at his career, he's been pretty consistent there on, on the ice. And so I think there's nothing wrong with having a player out there who isn't that flashy, exciting player like a pasta or whatever the heck Lucic is going to be doing out there. You know, it, it's good to have those old reliables and I'm, and I'm hoping that he'll be that at least. Um, but yeah, he's, it's going to be an interesting one to see what he can do to be irritating. Them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, every, every team, um, every team has them. The, the one um, that I'm really interested in, and again, just in listening to, um, you know, people like Billy Jaffe and Razor mm. and other guys on NHL Network talking about the uh, the geeky kid from from mm. Seattle in terms yeah. of, you know, what what can be his his potential threshold um, as as a player. Yeah, I didn't realize um, 
just how young he was and how uh, short his NHL career has been so far. Uh, so, you know, it, that's, that's exciting. Um, seeing Boston potentially already kind of making that shift away from the old era into this new era that they're likely to be entering as soon as, you know, Brad Marchand leaves the core. Um, so that one's going to be pretty exciting to see what he can do and how they develop him as well. I agree. Yeah. And last but not least, Shattenkirk thoughts, anything there? I mean, old reliable, right? He's another one you would refer to as old reliable. Again, no, I'm not sure yeah. how much, how much is left in the quote unquote tank mm-hmm. at this point, depending yeah. on how they decide they want to use him. Is he going to be, you know, a penalty kill type of expert, such right. as how they use Forbert right now? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and what happens with a guy like Forbert now that you've signed a Shattenberg? Right. So I think there's still a lot of a lot of balls in the air for for Don mm-hmm. Sweeney once once training camp starts. Yeah, and and for yeah. Monty, you know, mm-hmm. like like last year, I think some of the the concern was, you know, when Don Sweeney presented Monty with all of these assets at mm-hmm. the trade deadline. Sometimes you can have too much of a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that's what happened in the playoffs, but you know, so what happens now when right. You don't, you don't have all those same assets. Yep. Yep. He really now is starting to get to craft his own team mm-hmm. um, and not really be riding on any kind of residual wave um, that may have of momentum that may have come from previous seasons or previous leadership. Um so yeah, it'll be really interesting. They've, he's definitely got his work cut out for him, and I'm excited to see the Bruins play at home in their first preseason um, versus the Rangers on the 24th of September, which is literally around the corner. Around the so corner. yeah, I gotta get the gotta get the game day flag out of storage, dust that off, probably put it in the wash because <laughs> I definitely did not do that last year, and I'm excited to hang it up. Starting well, the 24th. I can't it believe it. It shouldn't be boring. It shouldn't be a boring no. season, right? Be- nope. Again, because there are so many open, open questions. So many mm-hmm. what ifs, or how is this going to play out? So there'll be plenty, mm. plenty to talk about, plenty to, to break down. Mm. You know, I just, I just don't want to go back to the, the Claude Julian days where we're like nope. biting our fingernails <laughs> and hoping that we're going to eat how to win, you know, two to one or, or three to two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I'm sure we'll have more to talk about next time. We're going to wrap it up and uh, we'll chat again soon. We'll coming right back at you. Hopefully folks on a weekly basis, um, we'll be, uh, providing you with with um, our humble opinions whether you agree with them or not we appreciate anyone who is willing to to give us a listen so thank you all for uh, your time